Hello everyone and welcome back to the Once and Future Nerd. I'm going to keep announcements short this month and get you right into the episode. We are sponsored this week by Clockworks Academy from Dr. Paul Moffat. Clockworks Academy offers college-level insight without college-level cost in all of the nerdiest stuff. They've got courses on Beowulf, King Arthur, Robin Hood, The Decameron, Game of Thrones, Dracula, Frankenstein, zombies, and werewolves. Um, there is no homework except reading, and the time requirements are flexible, which is great when you're a lifelong learner with lifelong responsibilities. Once in Future Nerd listeners can get 10% off any purchase with code FUTUREnerd. That's clockworksacademy.com, code FUTUREnerd, one word. Again, clockworksacademy.com, code FUTUREnerd for 10% off. And as a reminder, if you'd like to hear these episodes without any ads, you can make a monthly pledge over at patreon.com slash onceinfuturenerd and get lots of cool rewards, including a special patrons-only RSS feed with absolutely no ads. Shout out to all of our current patrons including David R., Lisa B.F., and Brian K. Also, I want to take a second and acknowledge Riley Jones, who has played First Snow since the character was introduced. Um, Riley has had to step away for scheduling reasons. We wish her the best and thank her for helping to create that character. And we also want to introduce you to Aaron Lanham. They'll be playing the character from now on. Please join us in making Aaron feel welcome in the cast. Okay, that's all I've got today. We hope you enjoy the episode and you'll hear from us again on March 27th for our next one. Once and Future Nerd Book 2 Myth Made Flesh Chapter 7 What's Close to You Part 2 by Christian T. Kelly Madeira and Gregory M. Schultz Excellency, good morning. The Bishop of Castle Guernatal had entered an audience chamber to find the man he had summoned, one Lord Antonin Mooncrest, waiting for him. Ah, Lord Mooncrest, good morn to you. Would you like a hand, Your Excellency? Patience, young man. Patience is next to godliness. Of course. Uh, oh, oh. No, it's just gas. No. Uh, uh, uh. Please be seated, my lord. Oh, your cushion is dusty. One moment, I'll dust it off. Uh. Just a quick hasty thing, but, you know, decorum matters. (laughs) Thank you for making such haste, my lord. Oh, you must have ridden very hard to arrive as soon as you did. When I read the enormity of Ardell's confession, I knew the people needed their leader as soon as possible. Now, what would you say are the most urgent problems facing the kingdom? Uh... 
and foremost, the peasantry still believes the eastern storehouse to be haunted by a vengeful phantom. Is that so? And then there's the matter of the garrison. With all the changes in leadership lately, I'm sorry to say there may be competing loyalties among them. I see. In that case, gather all the garrison and as many people as you can to the eastern storehouse. Good morning to you all. For those who don't remember me, I am Lord Antonin of House Mooncrest. I was wed to the Lady Arlene before she fled the cruelty of her treacherous brother. Now, it is true that Ardell's application leaves me lawfully the Lord Regent of this kingdom. But you know all too well that the subtle maneuverings of the law have little to do with who is most fit to rule. So I intend to earn your trust in me. Captain. My lord. I'd like to enter the storehouse. Won't do it, my lord. Hang me if you must. I saw what happened to the last chap. I understand your trepidation. If I go in there myself and return with a barrel of salt pork, will you and your men pledge an oath to me? I'd have to advise against it, my lord. I appreciate your counsel. All the same, the keys, please. If you insist, my lord. Nothing out of the ordinary here. Just a plain old storehouse. Wait! What ghastly apparition do mine eyes perceive beyond yonder crate? Who goes there? Why, it is a phantom! The rumors were true. Who art thou, spirit? I am the spirit of vengeance. Now I have to give Lord Mooncrest credit here. As a thespian, it is no small feat to disguise one's voice and have a conversation with oneself such that one can convincingly seem like they are in fact two. I told you the spirit was still here! Run, my lord! Run while you can! Oh, I do hope he's safe! What do you want with me, spirit? My quarrel was with Ardell, the usurper. As I have made a point of saying last time, it's been safe to come here since he left. But since you are here, identify yourself. I am Lord Antonin of House Mooncrest. I am the lawful Lord Regent now. I've come to prove my worthiness to the people. I only wish to bring them back the food which they have worked so hard to store. Very well. I shall examine your soul. Galadin's mercy! I can feel the spirit's gaze upon my soul. I have examined your soul and found you worthy. I shall depart this place now, but beware. I shall return if injustice does. Farewell. 
A long, cautious silence settled over the gathered crowd. And then they saw Antonin emerge with a barrel of food held over his shoulder. South of Castle Guernatal, the once mighty Ardell Redmore slept restlessly in a stall next to his horse. Ardell had ridden south towards the ports in Seahold and away from both his enemies at Castle Guernatal and the infamously ruthless mercenaries of Armstrongard, attempting to stay at least a day's ride ahead of the news that he no longer held any titles or land. Terpitude. Character. Nightmares plagued him as he slept, haunted by the words Antonin had said to him a few nights prior. Trust. Never needed trust. Forced at knife point to give up his claim to his lands and his lordship, he had fled that night in hopes of finding refuge with the field folk that lived further from the castle. Literal peasants. Unfortunately for Ardell, the further from the castle he rode, the more the definition of hospitality seemed to change. Couldn't draw a decent bath. <laughs> oh, Sorry to disturb your slumber, my lord. Well, I just heard an interesting story from my neighbour to the north. How dare you assault the lord of Castle Guernatal? Justice shall rain down upon you the moment I get word to the nearest barracks. Do you not realise who you are attempting to trifle with? The farmer stood over Ardell, arms crossed, immune to his threats. My neighbour says there's been quite a lot of changes at the castle of late. As I told you last night, ma'am, there has been an attempted coup, and as your liege, I am more than entitled to lodging for the night. Now, bring me your best garments so that I may look my best for presenting myself to the barracks, and you can have some hope of saving your neck from the gallows. Word is, by your own decree. You're no longer any kind of lord. That you gave up your titles and your sister's husband is in charge now. Mooncrest is a liar and a sneak. His treachery against the throne knows no bounds. I rue the day I gave away my sister to that loathsome, idiotic charlatan. As I was speaking with my neighbour, an infantry patrol came through and told us the same thing. What's more, they said you confessed to all manner of crimes. Well, obviously they would say... Ardell looked into the eyes of the peasant and realised that he was not convincing this woman. I appreciate the warning. My good woman, I'll gather my things and be on my way post-haste. Right, then. Oh, thank you for the gold we agreed upon last night, plus a little more, of course. And I'll bid you farewell. What do you mean, a little more? Mr. Redmore, I don't have much stomach for castle intrigue. It's why I live all the way out here. But the lord of these lands does. And I think he might be interested to know there's a fugitive staying in his barn. I... Uh, you, you, what, are, are you threatening me? Oh, I wouldn't say that, Mr. Redmore. More that the rates for the stall you stayed in just went up. Overnight? 
That's preposterous. Oh, I wouldn't say that either, Mr. Redmore. Any farmer will tell you when an enemy is threatening a siege, taxes go up. Just the way of things. Yes, but this isn't... Shall I call for my lord, sir? Let me see what I have. Ardell reached next to him for the sack of items he had hurriedly smuggled out of the castle. The bag had gradually been drained after similar stops Ardell had made on his journey. Usually, the first item was enough to dazzle the folks beyond the castle keep. Ardell reached into the sack and came up with nothing. Frantically, he looked around for something, anything he could offer this woman. <laughs> My good woman, uh, could you find it in your magnanimous heart to waive your fee just this one time? I appear to be short on supplies today. Two ways you can pay for your stay. First way is you can work it off. <gasps> Second way is you can barter with me. But my friend, I have nothing to barter with. Surely you will accept a writ of debit. The peasant turned to look at the fine castle-bred horse Ardell had ridden in on. Wouldn't say you had nothing. <sighs> and so... Ardell Redmore rode away from the farm towards the still-rising sun on his newly acquired ass. This is a good place to stop. Whoa, Daffodil. Now, do you know why we stopped? First Snow surveyed the prairie that surrounded her. In every direction stretched miles of terrain that, to an untrained eye, would seem unremarkable and indistinguishable. Um... Oh, the horizon up ahead is moving. There's a herd in front of us. If we need water, we should get it now while we're still upstream of them. Hmm, so it is. Very observant of you, girl. But we've got plenty of water to get us to the Federation House. I was more thinking that someone deserves a carrot. Are there any good girls around here who'd like a carrot? That's a good girl! Auntie, we'll never get there if you keep stopping to give her carrots. Would you rather walk? No, of course not, but... Then we should show her we're grateful for the service she provides. She's quite old, you know. Yes, you've mentioned that. All right, all right, we can get going again. Here we go, Daffodil. So, have you thought about what you'll say to the Federation? Sorry? When you present our proposal, I mean. Don't look at me like that. Why do you think I asked you to come? I don't know. You asked me to do lots of things. You're thinking about putting your name in for speaker, aren't you? I... maybe. But not until your term is over. I've already announced I'm stepping down at the end of this season. And I doubt we'll be back to the Federation House before then. So this is your last chance to practice. Auntie... No, I... I can't. It's too important. You built consensus in our village largely on your own. Who better to convince the Federation? And besides, if you're right, and appeasing the elves is doomed to fail, then young folks have the most to lose by it. You are the better of us to speak for this. But they don't know me. They don't trust me like they trust you. No one at the Federation knew me when my uncle first brought me along. 
They trust me now because I've spent my years saying sensible things, and you have sensible things to say. Not to mention I'll be there to voice my support for you. But Steady River's young companion continued to look at her with an almost desperate uncertainty. Do you trust my judgment as a matron of the town? Of course. Then trust me that you are the best one to speak. Now walk me through your reasoning, as practice. It will remind you how much sense you make. <laughs> Giving the elves what they want brings peace only for a time. A short time. And that time gets shorter the more their presence out here grows. It was barely three seasons ago when they provoked trapped Six Hills into building his army. Indeed. And if someone reminds you how badly Traft's campaign cost us... Traft's rage led him astray. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the elves' plan all along. But that's besides the point. In any case, we need not do what the Easterners have done to us. We just need to halt their advance, make their campaign costly, enough that they abandon it out of self-interest, and Three Bridges is well-placed to do just that. And why is that? The river. We only need to hold our bridges to hold the town. If the other Federation villages send even a few hundred people in fighting shape, we can fend off every ranger in Rangerton until the snows come. But they only want one field. Fighting takes food. Every field we cede to them makes it easier for them to launch an attack and harder for us to mount a defense. No. The time is now. Good. Feel better? Do you think they'll be persuaded? I truly don't know. But if anyone can persuade them, I'm certain it's you. What do I always say about your name? That my parents named me well. You I am are inevitable. inevitable. Nia! Nia, got a sec? Not right now, I'm afraid. Are you unwell? Or unsafe? No, I just... I just really need to talk to you. And we'll have to wait then. It always has to wait. I'm sorry. I'm late to meet with the captain. Is Jen in there? She is. Uh, so why is she always in the important meetings? Because the Queen named Jen her second when we first met Ren. It's not a matter of who we value more. It's a matter of who Regan thought should play which roles. That feels like a good answer to you. I promise I will talk to you later. As Nelson took his leave of Nia, in a somewhat dour mood, I might add, he chanced upon Arlene and Gwen. Nelson, you all right? Yeah, you know. Have I gone to talk to the captain? Uh-huh. Might you know what they're discussing? Do I ever? <laughs> we still going to the Isles, do you think? I'm not sure. I imagine that must be what they're discussing. Aye, must be. Gwen. I've been thinking. Oh, no, no, it's all right. Go ahead. I've heard there's a lot of his kind on the Isles. I was wondering if we might find someone who'd take him. Not that I want to be rid of him. Far from it. Just, would he be better off raised by his own? I know what you mean. I've wondered it myself. He'd be better in some ways, perhaps. But if what I've heard is true, his kind are enslaved there. All considered, I'm afraid it's best for him if we continue to pretend he's like us. Well, y you know more about politics than I do. Just want what's best for him. Of course. As do I. Can't believe how fond of him I am already. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Given everything, it's hard to imagine that we'll just 
keep him forever, but it's becoming harder to imagine not having him as well. Yes, isn't it, darling? Do you think it's time we give him a name? He deserves one, yes. But if I name him, I don't know how I'd ever say goodbye. She deigns to join us. Apologies, I was... Monsieur, um... I don't care. The matter at hand is the deal your queen brokered and then failed to honor. Look, obviously things went very, very wrong. You're a reasonable woman, and you've got to know we weren't trying to do anything Oh, believe me, girl. If Matachi double-crossed me, this parlay would have a much less cordial tone. But there's no amount of good intentions that make two and two into five. And I've tried, don't you know? We understand. In your estimation, what would it take to make you and your crew whole? I was promised half the purse from the race. And you brought back... What would you say, Ulf? Boys just finished counting. Two-sevenths of the expected haul. So, needless to say, all that you did bring back is mine. And you owe me quite a bit more. Now wait a moment. Just because you've the upper hand right now does not mean we need to yield to some... Gangster's code of- Gangster's code! <laughs> oh, let's be very clear here, fella. The Guild of Merchant Mariners Code of Laws and Best Practices, Section B, Article 2 says, In agreement with the practices of common law and all basic notions of good faith, if a party, formal or otherwise, enters into a contract with another party, formal or otherwise, in which either party incurs a debt to the other- Thank you, Alf. We take your point. Of course, if you'd rather work under gangster's code, your protections under bankruptcy are considerably less, hmm, shall we say... Right, yeah, gangplank, sharks, we get it. Brennan's just trying to look out for the, the Crown's assets. And naturally, if we were in a position to compensate you for your losses, we would. But as I'm assuming, you would not accept a writ of debit. You assume correct. We'll therefore need to establish some reasonable promise of future repayment. Oh, good. You've arrived at where I was a half hour ago when I called for you. How about we all simmer down a sec? Is this worth anything? From a satchel, Jen produced a cloth-wrapped bundle. She unwrapped it to reveal the bronze statue that she and Nelson had purloined from the library of Armstrongard. And then she noticed the wide eyes and slack jaws of those around her. Jen, where did you get that? The library? Why? Well, I'll be fucked. Valuable? That's the white lady. It's the masthead of the first ship that brought elves to Yarden. It is one of the most precious relics in the world. Any chance it's a fake, Mom? Anyone caught with a replica is tied to an anvil and thrown in the ocean. By law. And Blue Ulobal would not keep a counterfeit in his personal collection. Why did you take this, Jen? Looked like it was worth something. So, we're good then. Good? We're damn far from good, girl. I can't possibly fits that. And if the elves talk for a second me hat this, me have the whole damn navy after me. Me need you off my ship. Very soon. Right. Well, as you say, we are something of a liability to you. 
And even if you were willing to turn us in, which I'd not besmirch your ethics by implying, you'd risk capture yourself. Nia began to perceive some, shall we say, mildly concerned looks from her two comrades. I'm realizing as I hear myself speak that I may not necessarily be strengthening my own bargaining position. But it seems that were you resolved to throw us overboard, you'd have done so long ago. So, our admitted but unintentional breach of contract aside, it may still be in your best interest to deliver us to the Sugarcane Isles as agreed. And as long as we're dealing in promises anyway, simply add the cost of that to our debt. In any case, due to our actions at the race and before, we've no choice but to... Nia? Sorry. Saying it out loud is... Due to our recent actions, we've no choice but to topple the White Forest and become wealthy and powerful beyond imagining. In which case, we will have an easy time making you whole. If we fail at that, we will be dead and our memories all but erased from this world. Nia then took a moment to sit down and regain her composure. Oh yeah, no, that's a coin toss. Could go either way. Mm. Still, she's not all wrong. Clever, this one. Talks too much by half, but clever. Here's what I'm willing to do. The Sugarcane Isles maintain their relative sovereignty through some very careful maneuvering. Their magistrates, governors, and customs collectors are of a certain moral persuasion. To illustrate her meaning, Ren tossed a gold coin out of some unseen pocket and caught it midair. She twirled it back and forth across her knuckles before making it seem to vanish once again. And to keep one's entry a secret requires even more persuasion. When we made our deal and the plan to handle all of this for 11 adults and one baby. Alf, how many is two sevenths of 12? Uh, more than three, but a good bit less than four, Mom. So... Because I am a woman of my word, and because you and your queen amuse me, me can get four of you to the Isles and no more, provided you- But you cannot expect us- This is the final offer. So please permit me to finish it. Four or less to the Isles. I'll require collateral of some significant value, monetary or otherwise, for the remainder of your debt. The rest of you, me can deliver to some arms traders up north who have a hidden land route over the Black Mountains. You'll have to make your own deal with them, but they might accept that statue of yours. Me hear the politics over the mountains are different. They might be able to fence it. Now, this journey is neither pleasant nor safe, but it's not a shark's belly and it's not the elves. It's a lot to think on. We've kind of been through a lot together. May we have some time to discuss it? May give you till sun up. Latest. The 
Once and Future Nerd is directed by Christian T. Kelly Madeira. It is created and executive produced by Zach Glass and Christian T. Kelly Madeira, and co-executive produced by Jess Kelly Madeira. Associate producers are Susan Degnan and Alex Story. It is performed by Rhiannon Angel, Garrett Arman, Dan Dobransky, Anya Gibeon, Ian Harkins, Shannon Harris, Aaron Lanham, Paul Notice, April Ortiz, Juliet Prather. Frank Quares, Julie Reed, Regina Renee Russell, Gregory M. Schultz. Editing by Maddie Searle. Foley sound design and post-production mixing by Edward Bush. Tom Lee is our musical director and lead composer. Additional scoring by Chris Montalbo and Oliver Morris. For more, visit onceandfuturenerd.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr or Reddit.